Welcome back to the Subconscious Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Cortez. Joining me on this episode is a good friend of mine, Amina Navid. Amina is a blogger, college student, poet, and loyal listener and subscriber of the podcast. So before we get started, Amina, I'm going to ask you a question so the listeners can get to know you a little better. What is something you've been wanting to do but just haven't been able to do so yet? I think this is really important to stay, say today, so bear with me. I think you're looking at me like I'm going crazy. I, <laughs> you just looked at me with such concern. I think it's going to be spending Harry Styles' birthday with Harry Styles because today's Harry Styles' birthday. Oh my god. I wish you guys could see her face right now. She looks so concerned. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, this episode... Is that a terrible answer? I wasn't being serious, but the, I'm being serious still. Okay, well, this episode won't be coming out until, like, Well, everyone needs to know. March. But for context. I love you, Harry Styles. <laughs> <laughs> At Harry Styles, everyone tag him. Honestly, I'm being serious within that answer, but if I was to say, like, a conventional answer, it'd be like, I want to improve my yoga, because I really do. But I also, you're such, I'm, like, your biggest fan. My voice is wavery, guys. <laughs> I was like, Steph, how am I going to do this? Other than that yoga answer and Harry Styles, probably, I really want to interview musicians because I feel like I love talking to people I love being super introspective and asking them questions where they're inevitably going to get deep but with musicians specifically because I love music I mean we could always collab you talk to musicians and we bring them on the pod I flirt with them you just sit there (laughs) and just admire yeah dude I can sweet talk anybody see let's do it all right guys future episodes TBD TBD Maybe Harry Styles will be on an episode. Oh my god, Harry Styles would be the first we one to manifest it. Anyway, Styles, if you're out there, I'm being so serious. Okay, it's fine. I love you. Bye. <laughs> but that, let's get started with this week's episode. Throughout season one, we have talked about a variety of concepts and themes, but overall, in each of these episodes, the guest co-host and myself were honest. In a way, we exposed ourselves because we knew someone would benefit from listening to us talk about our struggles and challenges in this thing called life. So as the final episode of season one, it seemed fitting that we talk about the concept of vulnerability. And who better to do that than the biggest stand of vulnerability, Amina Naveed. That's right. Say it again. <laughs> in this final episode, we will discuss why vulnerability is a foreign concept to us. Growing up, we were told vulnerability was a weakness, and when we did consider being vulnerable, sharing who we were as a person, what makes us tick, it scared us because we didn't know if the world would accept who we were. We are scared to share who we really are with the world and ourselves. It's stepping into the unknown in a way. So to dive deeper into this concept, Amina and I will be talking about why we struggle with the concept of vulnerability, how we define it, and how we can push aside the toxic beliefs we were told regarding vulnerability and start normalizing it instead. My first question here for you, what does vulnerability mean to you? I always imagine being questioned this and the way I'm going to articulate it, but I also think that I have such a structured and defined perspective because I've researched it so much because I've struggled with it that I want to ask you, Steph, what your face? Oh, God. (laughs) I wish this was a video so bad. How do you just like naturally, how have you perceived vulnerability? And I feel like from there I can give you like, my researched and structured perspective okay so i should answer the question first okay you should do the work and there's no like incorrect or correct answer by the way so right it's all subjective right be honest i think it's being your authentic self and it's like the good bad and the ugly like showing every aspect of yourself emotions right and not hiding it it's almost like you're kind of naked in a way right. like you're yeah. bearing your naked soul but vulnerability. <laughs> I think that's what vulnerability means to me because you're exposing the layers you've been 
hiding from everybody. Absolutely. In society, I feel like we choose what we want to show to somebody and we choose what we want to hide. When I think you're choosing to be vulnerable, you're choosing to show all of yourself. Oh my God, that's, yeah, exactly. I think I've defined vulnerability as synonymous with courage. And the way I've defined vulnerability has been a huge respect contributed through Brene Brown. She is, a lot of people might know this if they watched her TED Talk and unknowingly, she has a TED Talk all about vulnerability. She went viral. She's a shame researcher and vulnerability researcher, which sounds crazy because you're like, how the fuck do you measure that? How do you research it? But within her research, she's come to the conclusion that every example of vulnerability has been incorporated through courage. I've realized through her research and learning more and also my experiences that the emotions we experience in times of emotional uncertainty or risk or emotional exposure is what vulnerability is, right? Like it's the willingness to show up and to have courage and to show those moments of uncertainty. We may lose control or we're showing emotion and we can't perceive what the other person is thinking. So it's courageous to show that sense of emotion that you're openly putting out to be interpreted unconditionally like you cannot control how somebody's gonna perceive you right right so I feel like that's how I've defined vulnerability so I think the two words that I put closest to it is uncertainty and courage I Mm. like that (laughs) so why do you think we have a hard time being vulnerable I mean you kind of touched on it based on uh, what was her name again Brene Brown my queen I literally would kiss the ground she walks on and yours. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm your biggest fan. I'm not like getting flustered. <laughs> but I was going to say, like, based on her research, it looks like you kind of have an idea of why you think we have a hard time being vulnerable. Mm-hmm. But for me, I think there's like a lot of layers, like not just society, but subculture, yeah. religion. The way you're consumed by people in religious affiliations. Exactly. Social so, culture, yeah. Exactly. There's just like a lot of layers to it. Yeah. And why we have a hard time being vulnerable. Like, for example, for me, I grew up in a Mexican household mm-hmm. and we were strictly Catholic and we also had like this toxic masculinity right and so for the longest time I was always told like vulnerability is a weakness like you don't want to show your vulnerability and then you're showing that you're weak you know and then on top of that whenever I tried to express myself like growing up as a kid I was told to hide it to toughen up big girls don't act like that stop crying get over it you know right and I think growing up it's actually like affected me because I realized like later on and this is like going through therapy and all that but I realized like I actually had a very hard time expressing myself emotionally right it was at a point where I didn't understand myself as a person going to therapy I realized like it was because of the way I had been brought up and the way that society had told me that what vulnerability was and all that that I just was hiding something that was such a core essence of who I was all these factors like society subculture religion Mm -hmm. that we tell people like toughen up put it aside like if you're a guy boys don't cry say if you're a girl and you've been hurt by a dude and you're and they're like he was trash girl get over him I mean you can but like not like that it's not like a simple act it's not that fast like you have to go through the motions you have to go through what you're feeling and accept it and be okay with not being okay exactly oh my god the moment I realized that I was inherently just an emotional person I wrote like a fucking blog post about it that was so full of emotion because I was just like oh my god I've had a revelation I'm emotional and that's okay but I think going back to what you said and your culture and the way you were raised I grew up in a Pakistani household where genuinely the best way to be perceived was through the most conditioned individual because your parents are a reflection of you 
-hmm. and the way you present yourself is either good or bad there's no in between there's no there's no validation towards how you occasionally feel but I also think that's because nobody uses the word vulnerability right like when we grew up we occasionally put the word vulnerable to our situations where we were proud of the way we expressed ourselves and I think the way that we express ourselves we only regard as vulnerable when we're proud of it I think when we had moments of immense emotion like you mentioned where you had to disguise it because you were conditioned to Mm -hmm. that wasn't regarded as vulnerability that was like nobody used the word vulnerable to describe you in that moment right right everyone in that moment was like she's just angry she's just upset she's just childish so I think in that moment being like no she's being vulnerable would be the best way to distinguish it from any other emotion so I think that's what's altered the way that we've perceived vulnerability is even the distinction in the way we utilize that word. I've never once been like, God, I'm fucking angry. And then been like, I'm being vulnerable. (laughs) I've never said that, right? Like I could be like, God, I'm fucking vulnerable. And I could express it like that, but I've never done that. Well, I now try to, but in the past we never really did that, you know? So, and I think we tell ourselves we're entitled to be happy all the time. Anytime something bad happens, we go with the conscious thinking that, we're entitled for no pain. Mm-hmm. But that's not how we function as humans. Like, nobody is entitled to not hurt. Yeah, we can't be happy all the time. Yeah. And because of that, no one knows how to hurt. We nurture our happiness so much. The moments that we're so in the moment and so happy, we nurture that. We fulfill it. We're like, God, I'm so happy right now. But do you ever do that when you're upset? Yes, and I actually have a little story about this. Please. Oh, my um, God. Spill. So the movie Inside Out. Oh, I've heard so much. I haven't watched it, it. I think you'd really like it. I think I'd ball my eyes out, so I like to I like to schedule that <laughs> in appropriately. <laughs> but like it talks about like the different emotions you have, like disgust, sadness, happiness, all mm-hmm. that. Guys, if you watch the movie, you know. But for those who don't know, I'm just gonna give you like a brief summary. Y'all should watch it. I highly, highly, highly encourage it, especially if you have kids. So there's this emotion happiness and this emotion sadness, and sadness runs away. And happiness is the leader of the emotions, and she needs to have control, and she thinks mm, that, like... That's us. And she thinks <laughs> that her their person, right, the person that whose emotions they are part of, like, needs to be happy all the time. And, like, if it's sad, it needs to be fixed right away. Mm-hmm. And so, throughout the movie, what Sadness is trying to say is, like, no, our person is going through different changes in their life, and they're allowed to be sad. Like, right now, what they need to feel is not happiness, it's sadness. Exactly. Overall, like, the movie's just beautiful. While it was targeted for kids, I think it's also especially, like, important for adults. Mm-hmm. Because, like, you're saying, like, we can't be happy all the fucking time. And, like, yes, we have our moments of anger, and we have our And we're not of... entitled to, either. Right. Like, nobody's destined to be happy. Exactly. And, like, we're allowed to have our moments of anger. We're allowed to have our mm-hmm. moments of sadness. We're, allo- we're allowed to have our moments of despair of disgust, of being scared. Like, it, we're allowed to have all those moments because, like, at the end of the day, all those emotions is what makes us human. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. I, I say this so consistently, and I think it's because I'm trying to affirm to myself that literally all you need to do is have the courage to be there and be present with what you're feeling, and you are vulnerable. It's not anything elaborate. It's not something you can't achieve. You do it on a daily basis. In those moments, you regard it as, like, God, I've had a fucking bad day. I was like I was mean to this person and although there is like a distinction between being mean and being kind Mm -hmm. there's always a way to work around being that and being present in those emotions and that's vulnerability but I want to ask you this because I love (laughs) asking people these this specific question can you think of a moment in your life where you were 
undoubtedly the most vulnerable you might have ever been or just had a great sense of vulnerability and can distinguish that yes (laughs) um I think for the longest time I've like I said I've I've struggled to be vulnerable Mm -hmm. like I, I have a hard time opening up to people I have trust issues and it's just because I've been through a lot of shit in my life like Throughout these episodes, you guys have been getting a sense of that. My sibling went missing. Also, like, my sister's car accident. And then, like, there's just been other things. I don't want to say I'm a person who's been through a lot of shit, but I am a person who's been through a lot of shit. Mm -hmm. And so, again, like, the way that I was raised and the way that society has kind of embedded this belief in regards to vulnerability, I never really expressed myself. And I've never really dived into myself in that way mm-hmm. so to be quite honest with you wasn't until Edsley went missing last mm-hmm. year in yeah. April 2020 that I had to be vulnerable not because I wanted to but because I didn't really have a choice anymore it was so heavy that you couldn't yeah exactly because it was like a heap of emotions you know you like, could it not yeah like I was scared I was angry I was sad I was I'm not gonna cry <laughs> but I was honestly just, like, a mix of emotions. And I feel like that was the first time I was honestly, like, giving myself the time to process them and giving myself to be in a space where I was going to be vulnerable with myself and, like, with people around me. And I'm sorry, I think I am getting emotional in this episode. That's okay. We've cried. Well, I'll give you a moment. But, like, I think it's so beautiful the way you express this unfortunate situation that you're going through because I don't know if you recall this as vividly as I do. But if you guys don't know, Steph and I do work together. And I said this to you that day, too. This was, like, months ago. But there's so many times that we fear being vulnerable with people because the first thing that we look for within people is a sign of vulnerability so we don't have to necessarily be that ourselves. Mm-hmm. It's like a deep paradox of vulnerability, right? Like when I meet somebody, vulnerability is the first thing I try to find in you. And it's the very last thing I want to show you because it's like the glue that holds the connection together. Yes. And so the moment that I saw you for the first time since this situation had occurred, I, I hadn't ever explicitly brought it up to you. And that was because I didn't want to trigger some sense of discomfort, mm-hmm. which is what vulnerability is, right? right? But I also didn't want to disrespect any boundaries. And I think the way that we were so vulnerable with each other was so powerful. And I, I wish I could make every person listening to this experience that moment but I think you find a deep sense of understanding within vulnerability and the way we cried to each other in the middle of work (laughs) was insane we were like I was like bawling not to discredit what you were just saying previously and going into depth with it but I think there's a power in vulnerability and embracing it with other people and not just yourself right and that's what you learned within your situation was People around you were vulnerable because they had no choice. They had no choice but to embrace the sadness, the fear, the anger. And Mm -hmm. during those times is when you kind of have a revelation that not only is it terrifying and it takes a great deal of courage, but it also is so liberating. Like you're laying it all out Mm -hmm. and you're allowing other people to relate and consume it unconditionally. Well, I think that that's what it was. I appreciated people asking and checking in with me like, how are you? Like, what is going on? Like, how can I help you? And the fact that they allowed me to have my space to just cry and, God, I'm so sorry. I'm getting so emotional. No, it's but like okay. to cry and to be emotional, you know, and be like pissed. At the time, you know, the police weren't doing anything. So I was like, I'm pissed because the police aren't doing anything for Edsley. And then like be, I'm frustrated with myself because I feel like I'm not doing enough. And then be like, 
guys, I'm getting emotional on this episode. Amina's watching me cry. That's but... okay. <laughs> Everyone watches me cry. Trust me. I cry so much. And then cry because, you know, at the end of the day, that's my family and they're missing and I don't know anything of where they are. And it hits you and it hurts. And knowing that your family is in whole and there's something's missing, you know. So I appreciated people giving me my space to just be emotional and be vulnerable. And I think like what they said is like nobody can judge you. For what no. you are, like, for what you're dealing with, however you choose to express it. Like, nobody can judge you. Nobody can say anything about that. Like, you're allowed to feel however it is you're feeling. And I appreciated that so, so, so much. And I think, like, you're saying, like, with me being so open about it and being like, you know what? Like, I, I just have to talk about it. Otherwise, like, I was drowning with it. And I, it wasn't doing me any good bottling that up because it wasn't just me at that moment. Like, it was my whole family. And you showing that emotion. You showing that sadness, that anger that you had made everyone around you feel validated. Your presence was a a source of comfort, as was theirs, you know? And there comes moments when literally the judgment of somebody doesn't mean shit compared to the emotions you're feeling. Yeah. And there's going to be a contrast in times when you feel that level of emotion or versus that level of judgment. But the thing is, yeah, nobody can judge you. You are going through something so incredibly diff- difficult and everything is valid. Your emotions are valid. Whether you're happy, sad, mad, whatever it may be, it's valid. The sense of community that you've gained is such like a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. And I can tell how grateful you are for that. And you express your gratitude. And then I, you also express your sadness, which I think is so beautiful. But, you know, people are there for you. And, yeah. and that's what your vulnerability has brought, your power Honestly, like, I feel like it brought you and me closer. That day, when the tears started falling, there was no... There was no stopping it. The thing is, you probably don't understand. Like, we say we work together, but this isn't, like, a conventional work environment. Mm -hmm. So we work in different, like, areas and different days. So we don't see each other often, but we're always present, right? Right. So experiencing that level of emotion with somebody and having the courage to be present and be there with them and embrace it all is like the epitome of vulnerability for me. And I think it's the most beautiful form of vulnerability. So I really commend you for that. Like, I really, I don't think (laughs) I can articulate to you how powerful that moment was. I think of it so often. And I remember the drive home, I just bawled my eyes out. I was like, oh my God. And we shared some things that we probably wouldn't have shared. Yeah, I think in that moment, like, I was like, oh my God, I just had a moment with Amina. I just had a moment. (laughs) Yeah. But it was very... I don't know if powerful is the right word. I mean, it is, but it, for me, it was just like... Liberating. It was, it was like, liberating. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, this girl understands where I'm coming from. Yeah, she knows what I'm going through. Exactly. Like, I don't think it's, you know, down to the T or situations, but we've had similar experiences and, oh, I'm going to be waterfalls soon. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I'm going to be waterfalls. But I think nobody can understand the specific circumstances. We're both from very different cultural backgrounds. Our parents are from different countries. We've grown up as kind of like outsiders. I always talk about this, but like, I don't feel like I'm American. I'm, I didn't, I don't feel like I'm Pakistani, but then the way my parents navigate things heavily influences my life. And certain situations like this, you can't help be impacted by the way your parents are navigating it Mm -hmm. or what they're feeling. And to not have a conventional example of it around you makes you feel so lost. It makes you feel like, you don't have the courage to be open with how you're feeling because nobody 
is going to relate. So I think it was so beautiful that we found that within each other. And I think there are similarities though between us. Like we yes. are like two women of color. Yes, we, we are. are in our twenties. Yes, we are. We do have immigrant parents. Yeah, and I'm an immigrant. People are different. Like everybody's different. Like you can come from a different background. You can have a different religion, a different upbringing, X, Y, and Z. But at the end of the day, like we're all human. We all have emotions. That's what I think deters people so much from being emotional and vulnerable with the people around them is a sense of discomfort because there's going to be no sense of relatability. We've developed such effective armor, don't you think? Like, we've developed armor that's been effective in the past that we utilize. Like, we throw it on every day because we know that it's going to work. Whether it's cynicism, whether it's distraction, whether it's perfectionism, control, defensiveness. Mm -hmm. We've developed these forms of effective armor that we utilize on a regular basis that only deters us from human connection. But it's so normal because, again, we have the belief that we deserve happiness. And we do, but, like, we also deserve moments of emotion that are going to lead us to that happiness. Yes. But that armor doesn't help, you yeah. know? You know, let me spin the question on you. Okay. So, obviously, I could relate, like, our situations. I'm going to have, like, a little interlude here, but I always preach vulnerability, and I think it's so important to embrace, but I also think there's things that you have to work to be vulnerable with. Mm -hmm. This situation, I have told maybe, like, five people max, and it's been, like, three years. Yeah, I've been, I'm still enduring, and my family still is, and I don't think I'm ready to be vulnerable. You know, I don't think I have the courage to be vulnerable. I don't, and I think acknowledging that has been one of the most powerful things because I would just run from it but now I you know I can let people know I am going through something I've been going through something for years my family is my mother and father are and I cannot be explicit with the details or my emotions but just know I feel it heavy the person who's in power is you the person who is sharing is the one in power like take for an example a boss at work right I just use this because we work together. (laughs) But this would never happen because we fucking love our bosses. God, I love them. But (laughs) the thing is, it's so crazy to distinguish vulnerability in a powerful position. Brene Brown goes often to different places, companies, and literally just goes there just to talk to them, give them a speech, but it changes their life. Because we never think of vulnerability as powerful until we assess that the boss that's sitting you down and being like, hey, Amina, I don't think you're working hard enough. I don't think you're going to get this promotion because Katie over there is working a little bit harder. She's established her work ethic. She's established her abilities farther than you might have. That's so vulnerable for somebody to say like, hey, I don't think you're capable in this sense. But in the power of me explaining my situation is so extreme. Like I could be so powerful in saying so, but I just... I don't think I can reach that level of vulnerability when it comes to that situation, but I'll tell you another one. (laughs) So this other situation is definitely far more lighthearted. Not really. It's really sad. So I was born in Pakistan, lived in New York for two years, came to Utah. But I had moved my junior year of high school to Salt Lake from Ogden, where I grew up. So I went to a charter school from 7th through 11th grade, and that was like say like 60 people max in your graduating class, right? Like that's so little compared to a public high school where it's like 300 people. So junior year of high school, my family and I had decided to move to Salt Lake, which is about an hour away from Ogden and where I grew up and where I had established my community and my identity. So I was super nervous about this change. I was going from a charter school to a high school, which was terrifying. 
And I think the part where the vulnerability comes in, if I was to distinguish a time in my life where I felt the most isolated and alone, it would be Ben. <laughs> had no sense of community. Like, I didn't realize how different public school would be. And I had established myself a certain way. And it was so crazy because it was always like cookie cutter, perfect girl, right? Mm-hmm. That does her work, is smart, occasionally is like sarcastic, but that's the extent. And so when I moved, it was crazy because I remember being a junior in a public high school in the middle of the school year, guys. And I remember being like, can I use the restroom to my teacher? And they were like, are you definitely going to go to the restroom? And I've never had somebody question, a person of authority question my character, right? Mm -hmm. So I was like, holy shit, I have to establish myself all over again in a place where I previously lived. I had done so for five years, six years. People knew who I was. People knew what I was capable of. And the moment of vulnerability came was I couldn't help but just come home and like cry and just be like, I feel so alone. And saying that is so difficult because you make yourself feel incapable in a way Mm -hmm. of not only establishing relationships, but regulating your emotions. Yeah. You know, I like to put yourself and your emotions onto another person, your parents. That was my first experience with vulnerability that was that extensive and that long term. It's funny to laugh at now because I feel so fulfilled in my myself and the few relationships and friendships that I have. But back then, it was such a source of insecurity. Like, I would sit in a classroom, see everyone around me talking, and literally want to cry. I would go to the bathroom and cry and then come back to class. And it felt weird because I was not only being vulnerable with people around me, I was being vulnerable with myself. I was like, who the fuck am I? I'm not who I was before. I was conditioned to behave a certain way. And the moment that I realized that nobody could validate it externally... I realized that it wasn't authentic to that extent that I believed it was. So I think that was my first experience with vulnerability to that extent. I feel like I keep bringing up my sibling situation. Like I was one of a few people of color at my private school Mm, for high school. And in Salt Lake. And in Salt Lake, according to my little sister, it's gotten more diversified. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, at the time, I was one of you with uh, Latino kids, Hispanic kids at this high school. Anyways, when the situation of my, with my missing sibling occurred, because I, I put it all out there on my social media, you know, like, hey, please spread the word, you yes, know, keep yeah. an eye out, blah, 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 blah. There were kids I had never talked to in high school. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't say I had issue with anybody. Like, there was a few kids I had issues with. But for the most part, like, it's not like I went out of my way to, like, make problems with anybody. Mm-hmm. But... I got so many responses and messages from people I haven't even talked to in years. People I didn't even talk to at all and people I wouldn't even consider us to be, have been friends in high school. Yeah. Like, message me and tell me, like, I'm so sorry you're going through this. What else can I do to help you? And, like, again, like, I graduated from high school, like, and I, I think I'm sounding old here now, but I graduated from high school, like, what is it, like, six, seven years ago now? Because I graduated in 2014. But anyways, it was crazy because, like, being vulnerable allowed these people to see my character. Oh, my God. And to see me... As a, you know, more than just another student, more than just another person of color that went to their high school, they were seeing me as Stephanie. See, that's what I mean. Like, when you meet somebody, you look for their vulnerability so you can be vulnerable. And introducing that authentically really opened up your relationship with people. I think it did. For For the the best, yeah. For the best, yeah. Somewhat of a perfect segue, but why? perfect. (laughs) Why have you had a hard time being vulnerable? (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, guys, I just had to compliment stuff. Why have I had a hard time being vulnerable? I think it's because I didn't want to influence other people's 
perception of me? I feel like that's a standard answer. Not only that, but I felt inadequate. Like, I think I have an issue with my ego. <laughs> I've really assessed this recently. Like, I think as much as I'm very confident and comfortable in my own presence in the world, I also think I seek being valuable to people. Mm -hmm. And in a sense, the best way that I've assessed doing that subconsciously in the past has been through being so put together, so emotionally stable that other people can weigh their emotions on me. That's something that like I'd love to do and incorporate within my relationships is vulnerability and like exclusive insight into what we're feeling. And so the best way I assessed I could be the best version of myself was mm -hmm. to be not vulnerable so somebody else could be. For me, I, th I feel like I already talked about it. Like it's the way I was brought Condition, up. Condition, yeah. I... That too. I mean, I don't think many people realize because there's not many Pakistanis in Utah, at least. I don't think many people realize, like, Pakistani culture is so weird. Like, there's no honesty up front. It's so much so, like, you experience something, you keep it behind closed doors to the greatest extent that you can. And then you present yourself in the most concise and the most authentically perfect way. There is a sense of, like, authenticity. Like, you have to prove that you're effortlessly perfect. Or not only that, but you're a reflection of your whole cast your whole dynasty like your whole family like family is so extensive there like my parents have my mom has like seven sisters and six brothers and my dad has like eight sisters and one brother so it shouldn't be like this but your cousins judge you your aunts and uncles judge you and you have to be perfect amongst them but to the point that you reflect your parents and that's why these parents have inevitably put that onto their children like be perfect mm -hmm. get that degree do this like make sure your clothes are perfect do not show any emotion do not show any anger especially so I think that really influenced me as well but god when I tell you I am like the black sheep of my family god am I the black sheep just a month ago I had this really crazy experience <laughs> where somebody said something really insulting somebody within my family and I called them out and it became a huge deal like a huge deal and I called them out and I, you know, attempted to do it in a respectful way, but I was being disrespected for doing so. And so I definitely elevated my anger, which was something you don't show in Pakistani households. But, you know, I'm so grateful for my parents because especially living in America and especially seeing how emotional I can be, they have recognized the significance of it and the benefits of it. And so in that moment, they like completely backed me up. But it was crazy because I, I started crying to my mom and I was like, I don't want this to be a reflection on you. I don't want anyone uh. to look badly on you and she started crying because she's like no I don't care about that and I was like oh my god you don't care that's so crazy because my mom is the youngest of all her like 16 siblings or whatever maybe you know and so she like told me a story that she when she was younger and she was in the bazaar which is what they call like the town shopping center this guy had commented on how she was a single lady this is Pakistan so it's very conservative she was a teacher so she got her like master's degree and everything in Pakistan so she was in town getting like a local like it's called a highest I don't know what you say in English but it's like a bus kind of essentially mm -hmm. and she was going in it and this married couple was sitting there and the guy commented on how she was a lady that was unmarried and, and alone and she called him out in front of all these people like screamed at him she's like who, who do you think you are talking to me like that I don't need to be married and if I'm gonna be married it's not gonna be somebody like you and she was like a young girl and word got around and it went back to her family and showing emotion like that even anger and you're open for interpretation to be judged mm -hmm. it takes a great deal of courage and that is a high form 
uh, vulnerability. God, I hate how much we're saying vulnerability, but like, what else? People should take shots for every single time we say vulnerability. Take shots on behalf of me. <laughs> You're not gonna be drunk. Well, for me, like I was saying, like it's the way I was conditioned. But on top of that, I don't know if this is probably for you, but like, when you come from immigrant parents, mm. or you when you have immigrant families, in a way, you are also representing like your their country yes oh my god yes. and like i don't know if this is true i may, I may be stepping out of line but like for pakistan like it could be like you know the idea of terrorism is at the back oh my of, god yeah of everybody's mind so like you of course you got to show off that you're perfect in the, every other aspect the thing is my parents are so afraid to even this is so crazy to say because you're like how the fuck is this vulnerable my parents are so afraid to say they're from pakistan you know when people ask us they're like don't say pakistan say kashmir because i'm from azad kashmir which is a self-governed part of pakistan that's like, definitely far out from Pakistan, but it's Pakistan. And my parents are like, no, let's not say Pakistan because we're so afraid of being judged and perceived. Even embracing, like, your yourself. Exactly. Your identity. So when I say, like, Mexico, like, it's also this background, like, you don't want to be perceived as, like, a freaking drug drug cartel. Some bullshit, theft, yeah. Like, uh, criminal or something. But again, it's, like, society. That's the stereotypes that we have. So, like, as people of color, we got to push against that. Mm-hmm. And, like be vulnerable with the fact that like I'm not a stereotype like I'm so much more than that yes but aside from that for me being like why I've had a hard time being vulnerable I think that's part of it like you're saying like you're a representation of your family you're a representation of like if your family's from a different place you're also representing them you know you kind of want to put off the best impression you can yes yeah yeah absolutely. because like the truth is I can go to somebody but nobody's gonna know the fact that like I have two degrees under my belt that I run a podcast fuck yeah that I you know, do this and that. Like, they're not going to do that. The first thing they're going to see is, like, the color of my skin. Yes. And so then for me to, like, open up and be like, well, I'm more than just the color of my skin. Mm. I feel like that's an act of vulnerability. Yes. And then on top of that, like, for me, like, why I've had a hard time being vulnerable, aside from all that, I guess, like, again, I'm bringing it up, like, my traumas and mental health issues that I needed to deal with and all that, which is why, and this will be in an, this will be in an episode in season two, but it's why I've had a hard time being in a relationship with somebody. Oh my God, because, let's talk relationships. Because I think the things that I've gone through is abnormal compared to somebody else. Like the things it's I've gone through is not, nor- it's not normal. I think like on an average person, like the amount of shit that I've gone through, they don't go through. Like they probably went through like one experience. Or maybe did they and they're not being vulnerable. Po- you know, possibly. But I Question feel like- mark. I feel like I've been through a lot in my 25 years. I swear to God, I you feel have. like I've been yes, through a lot. you're very strong. <laughs> but that's why I get scared to be, like... Intimate. Right, with a person, because, like, it's a lot to tell them what oh I've God. been through. And it's it's going to be a lot to lay that down on them. And it's also hard for me, because I'm kind of, in a way, reliving it. Yes. about it. Even get a whole though, new reaction. Right? Get a whole new interpretation. And even though I've dealt with it, I'm okay with it. Like, I've accepted it. I don't let it define me. I know it's helped me, and it's made me who I am today. However, it's still something that if I want to have a positive relationship with somebody, I'm going to have to tell them about mm-hmm. it. And it scares me because, like you're saying, I don't know how they're going to react to it. I don't know how they're going to accept it. And it's very, very possible that sometimes it's too much for them. And then they'll be like, you know what, Stephanie, it's too much for me. I'm sorry. I can't do this. I feel like it's been one of my biggest fears and why I haven't really pursued a relationship. Well, see, I feel like this is a great opportunity to address how we should be navigating relationships obviously there is in a way that we've discussed this whole time how we present our vulnerability and how we present our emotions but also how do we consume other people's do you embrace them or do you subconsciously you know question it give that form of judgment I think the willingness to show up and to have courage which I've reiterated so many times I'm so sorry but like the willingness to show up and have courage 
to validate somebody's emotions or just be present is simply enough. You don't Mm -hmm. always have to justify it. You don't always have to verbalize some sort of understanding. Sometimes being present is going to be enough. And I think the way that you know you can be present for somebody you should also know that somebody should is going to be present for you. It'll be so beautiful, Steph. <laughs> I'm saying it as though I've gone through it. I haven't. <laughs> it's going to be like in season two, guys. I'll talk more about it. But yes, I am open to dating. And I, if, if that door so opens, I'm willing to open it and expose myself in that way. But, but like, for example, I was dating somebody last year in 2020. But I never brought up what was happening with my family, what was happening mm. with my siblings, just because... I didn't want to. It felt like it was too much. And I liked the fact that I had like somewhat of a distraction. Yeah. Somewhat of like a parallel universe that you could kind of escape to. to. But in the future, especially now, I feel like with the way my life is now, like it may have to be brought up. Like if I'm dating somebody and it's gonna and it's getting serious or it has the potential of getting serious, I'll have to figure it out in that moment of time yeah. when it happens. But I will let you all know because I think it's Please. gonna be an interesting journey for me. Mm-hmm. Because I've never done that. Exactly. Well, also, I think it's like you are present right in front of me physically, literally. But the moments that made you weren't good ones. Like the moments that made you were the difficult moments that you embraced vulnerability. And I think so many times we are opting out of love for the fear of grief. We're opting out of courage because of the fear of failure. Mm -hmm. Opting out of like belonging because of the fear of disconnection. And we're opting out of so many amazing things just because we are uncomfortable with the journey to it. And so I like to romanticize my life, as probably everyone who knows me knows. But like, <laughs> I love to think of it in such a positive way that like I'm going to be in a fucking great deal of discomfort when I'm expressing these things. But I don't want to opt out of love because of the fear of judgment. I don't want to opt out of encouraged because I'm afraid I'm going to fail. I don't want to opt out of belonging because I'm afraid I'm going to disconnect from somebody. And I think you're going to have a beautiful relationship because (laughs) you're so pretty right in front of me. Oh my god. (laughs) I've been saying this so, like, even before the podcast, I was like, Steph, I have not seen you without your mask. We're safe, by the way. Um, (laughs) I have not seen you without your mask in so long. You're so pretty. (laughs) Guys, I have a work wife and now I have a work girlfriend. It is me, to clarify. And Harry Styles, I'm single. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. There's so many people I want, not just Harry Styles. Sorry. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> so, how can we normalize the idea of vulnerability? We need to get comfortable in vulnerability. We need to get comfortable in the idea that recognizing and facing vulnerability is going to take an enormous amount of courage. I know this sounds like something that you need to take head on and like start right now, or you're going to be running late. You know, just take small steps. You know, share a little bit of yourself with whoever you feel is, feel is worthy. I think a common misconception of vulnerability is that it needs to be granted to anyone and everyone. Not everyone deserves your vulnerability. The world doesn't deserve your vulnerability. You can determine who deserves you. And you can determine what small steps you take to get to that ultimate point of comfort. And it doesn't mean that ultimate point of comfort is going to be within a few months or a few years or within a few days. It could be. But it doesn't mean it's going to be. So just get comfortable in the idea that it's going to be uncomfortable. And that's okay because at the end, you're not going to be opting out of shit. You're going to be doing so great. 100% agree. Like you said, baby steps. Find somebody that you know isn't going to judge you and say like, hey, I want to be vulnerable with you. 
do you have some time for me to have an open conversation yes. with you? Yes. And I also yeah. think like I I'm only saying this because I rem- I recall a time in my life where I didn't feel like I had anybody. And I know it's sometimes I would hear people say like be vulnerable with like the people around you that are there for you. But like what if you didn't have anybody? What what if you didn't perceive it as like that? But I think a good way to consciously change that is because because we live in our subconscious so much would be to assess little moments of vulnerability within strangers, within colleagues, within friends, family, like people are going to show you little moments, little inserts of such beautiful vulnerability that you're going to be like, wow, I can't believe they shared that. Even if it's like, God, I just, I'm having like a really tough day. That's so vulnerable that, you know what, take that small step and reiterate when you're having a bad day. You don't always have to feel like somebody's going to be unconditionally there for you because at the end of the day, not everyone has that beauty. And that's not because they're not going to, it's just because they don't have it yet. Yeah, I think find somebody to have that conversation with. and it doesn't always have to be with somebody just like I like to talk out loud to myself a mm, lot yeah, so just like find your space like if it's in your room if it's a drive in the car wherever it is like talk to yourself openly and be like so how are you feeling today Stephanie what's going on mm-hmm. what do we need to work on like what's happening what are we struggling with how can we make this better or do we need a day do we need a day to just soak in it embrace it yeah and I'll tell like my friends that like I'll be like you know what I'm, I'm having a bad day I just need I need a day to soak it mm-hmm. I need a day to be in it soak it and then I'll be okay yes. you know just give me give me my time being honest with yourself and being honest with others changes the game I feel like I always say this in every episode but we're human and we're complicated and we come with a variation of emotions and constructs so for us to say like yeah I'm having a human moment as another human we're gonna get and be like you know what girl have your moment it's fine Mm -hmm. do your thing that's probably like the first initial little step but also I mean I was saying if you feel like you don't have somebody in your corner you can always reach out to us here at the self-conscious podcast yeah or us personally you know or each of us individually and we are more than willing to be that space for you if you so choose to need it so my final question here is what advice do you have for someone who has struggled with being vulnerable and is scared or ready to take the first step? That's um, a loaded question. I feel like the best advice I can give is to be conscious. I have lived in my subconscious for so long. We have effective armor, as I mentioned, but truly, like, recognize what effective armor you've had, whether it's defensiveness, whether it's distraction cynicism we're so quick to like tell a story for somebody like I I like to use that term a lot with myself it's like what story am I telling about this person like if Steph was to maybe this is just an example but like walk into work one day and look at me like a really weird way not say hi back I would just create a story in my head like fuck what if she just didn't like my input in the podcast and this and this and I've established a story in in because it's effective armor Hmm. it's because I'm preparing myself for the worst situation so distinguish what your effective armor is. That's just going to take a little bit of introspection and consciousness and recognize what you subconsciously are doing to distract yourself and just be more present. I don't think you should give yourself any obligations. Just be more conscious. Like that's how I try to navigate life is what have I been subconsciously thinking or conditioned to do or armoring up with to navigate myself through my day? And how can I be more conscious of it and be oh conscious? <gasps> conscious self-conscious I know sorry I already knew that but like it was just worked in this sentence guys (laughs) but yeah live in your consciousness as much as you can and even if you fuck up it's totally fine because I fuck up a lot I'm telling you and recognizing that and then moving past it will be the most freeing thing 
and you will feel like you're nurturing yourself to the greatest extent. I feel like throughout each of these episodes in, in season one of the podcast, and I, I want to thank every one of my guests who have been part of this ep- season one. I love you guys. I Sorry, I just have to say this. I love Steph's podcast, but I also love the guests. I, I tell this, I voice memo her this all the time, but these are strangers we're consuming and we're consuming their vulnerability. But like, you guys are so powerful in your presence and you're so valued. So sorry, this year I'm like the, your most annoying guest. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's fine. But what I meant to say is like, we, we've had some amazing guests on season yes. one and I appreciate them opening up and being vulnerable, well, not just with me, but with all the little conchitas out there. Mm-hmm. And you know, again, like when we talk prior to recording an episode, we, we establish what we're going to talk about, but we also know, like, yeah, I've never really talked about this to anybody, but I know if I talk about it, it's going to help somebody else. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of piggybacking off of what Amina was saying. Like, it's, in a way, taking off a layer of your armor. It's taking away, like, a layer of what we hide behind closed walls, like, what we choose to show off to the world and what we choose not to show off to the world. And it's why I'm so grateful that this podcast has helped so many people because it's letting them know, like, you know, we're human and we're allowed to have these emotions, and we're allowed to express ourselves however it is we choose to express ourselves, and we're allowed to have our moments of vulnerability, and we're allowed to express that way however we choose to express it. And, like, you can take your baby steps, you know, however that is, but also at the end of the day, like, if it's listening to somebody else talk about their struggles, and that's going to give you the confidence to, okay, I can do this, I can deal with my struggles, and I can choose to be vulnerable with myself and open that door I've been so scared to open. Honestly, that's what it's about. Like, like Amina's saying, like having mm-hmm. the courage to go into the unknown. But once you do, it will be so rewarding at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And going through your journey of vulnerability, it's hard. It's not easy. It can be incredibly painful. The one thing you can dis- like definitively say is it's going to be uncomfortable. Yeah, it's not going to be easy. It's going to be painful. It's going to be hard, incredibly hard, because you're tapping into something you've been bearing you know for the longest time you have to make the decision that okay I'm ready to be comfortable with the uncomfortable through the discomfort yes absolutely but in that journey isn't going to be like done in a day it's not going to be probably done Mm -hmm. in a week or a month even a year like it's going to take its own time but you'll see your growth through it Mm -hmm. and it's going to be such a beautiful process at the end of it I think that's what it is like be brave and take that initial step and just know like you have our full support here from the self-conscious podcast you have my support as the host of the self-conscious podcast you have Amina's support absolutely you have so many people rallying up behind you you're not alone you have unconditional love from us truly like there are people out there that will unconditionally love you and you need to seek unconditional love from yourself but in the meantime Steph and I are here we're here we're here. Everybody from the Self-Conscious Podcast team, we're here. Amina's here. We got y'all. So just take that step and enjoy the journey. Enjoy it. Well, that wraps up the final episode of season one. I want to thank Amina for joining me on this episode. I'm going to give her a chance to shout out her social media accounts if you want to follow her and check out her content. So, my primary social media is Instagram. I'm going to be so annoying on there because you're going to follow me. (laughs) I'm just kidding. It's Amina, A-M-I-N-A-X-N-A-V. So, hope to see you there. Tell me all about your deepest, darkest, vulnerable secrets. (laughs) 
And don't forget to follow us on our social media accounts to be up to date on what we have going on on the Self-Conscious Podcast, such as upcoming episodes who our guest co-hosts for each week will be, upcoming podcast collabs, small businesses highlights, and so much more. Our Instagram is Self-Conscious Podcast, and our Twitter account is at Conscious Podcast. Thank you to everybody who tuned in. Like always, I hope you resonated with this episode, learned something from it. If you like this episode, go ahead and subscribe to the Self-Conscious Podcast. We are available on all your favorite podcasting apps. And might as well share this episode with a friend or family member. The more listeners, the better. We post new episodes every Tuesday. However, this is the final episode of the season. We are taking a month break. We will be back in April. Keep an eye out on our social media for when we drop the announcement of season two. In the meantime, feel free to re-listen to any of these episodes. Again, thank you so much for your guys' love and support. Truly appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. I love you all, my little conchitas. This is todo for this season one of the Self-Conscious Podcast. I will see you all in season two. Until then, have a good one, conchitas.